return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. So today we're talking, uh, last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, but it was Memorial Day also, so... That, uh, that was something important for us to cover Memorial Day last week and uh, to remember what the Lord has done, of course, in our lives, to remember others that have influenced your life in many, many good ways. Uh, today, but I wanted to share today about the Holy Spirit. And, and particularly, you know, and, and when you think about Pentecost, I want to talk about spirit-filled behavior. Spirit-filled behavior. You know, back in the Back in the 80s, I was, I was invited to speak at a class at SDSU and a philosophy and religion class. And they were saying how churches like ours, say non-denominational churches. But the interesting thing is, is, is it's the biggest thing going on on the planet, actually, non-denominational churches. And to realize that all over the world, about the time, early 80s, all these churches just started Amazing. All kinds of, some were Pentecostal, some were more fundamental and so forth, but they started all over the planet. The thing is, the thing is when you have that then, you know, like denominations, they hold a rule on people to say you can do this, you can't do this and so forth. But when, when you're non-denominational, you have to have uh, the governing, you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't, you can really get out there. <laughs> you can get out there in places you don't want to be. And sadly, through a lot of the body of Christ, there are things that, uh, quite frankly, even as we travel the world, there's things that we're ashamed of. Things in Africa and different places we've been that we think, oh, Lord, <laughs> you know, that are kind of uh, ashamed all over the planet and in the United States. So we have to understand spirit-filled behavior is important. Spirit-filled behavior should resemble Jesus, right? Should resemble Jesus. Now, there's people, some denominations, Pentecostal denominations, say, well, you're filled with the Holy Spirit when you speak in tongues. And I think, I think speaking in tongues is all right, but I think it's got to go a lot farther than that. It's got to go a lot farther because people, people speak in tongues or something, and then they kind of stop, and their behavior, they've never, they're never transformed yet. And when we come into Christ, we've got to be transformed. Our lives have to be changed, but also continue to change. We never stop changing. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep growing. <laughs> Got to keep growing. Amen. So Galatians 5, uh, verse 16 says, we walk in the spirit. So we're walking in the spirit. So this is a lifestyle in the spirit. If we do that, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I think my battery kind of went out on me or something here. Let me see. What's... You can maybe check those. Yeah. So if we're walking in the Spirit, we won't fulfill other fleshly lusts. Now go on down there in Galatians chapter 5. I love the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit, of course, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now think of that. If, you're, if you claim to be Spirit-filled, these are attributes that should abound in your life. Now gifts are given. 
People get various gifts, fine. But fruit is something you grow. Fruit is something you grow, you maintain, you keep working at it, and so forth in your life. Amen? Amen. How, many know, how many know you can use a little bit more love, a little more joy, a little more peace, long-suffering, patience, and all those things like that? These are attributes that if we're going to talk about being spirit-filled and spirit-filled behavior, here it is right here. These are huge things. Now it says then, those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, if I'm going to grow this, then I've got to also, so to speak, crucify other things, right? I've got to put to death other things that are not godly. All right. Otherwise, otherwise you can have if you have a garden, it looks really nice. You till it up, you plant stuff, things start coming up. And then here comes all the weeds. And then you have to tend to the weeds. If you don't, the weeds will overtake the flowers or the vegetables or whatever else you planted. So we have the fruit. But then if we're Christ, we have to crucify the flesh, the passions, the desires of the flesh that are very natural, that are fleshly, that aren't good. So if we live in the Spirit, we should walk in the Spirit. So if I'm saying, I'm Spirit-filled, well, then I should live that way. In other words, in other words, your walk should match your talk. What you say, what you, what you demonstrate and so forth, should match then how you walk and live this life. And of course, ultimately, again, the Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus Christ. Amen? The Spirit will glorify Jesus Christ. The Spirit doesn't glorify a man, doesn't glorify an institution, doesn't do anything like that. It glorifies Jesus Christ. Now, in the, in the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, that we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, it says, they shall be filled. So, in other words, if you want to, if you want to maintain your life, you have to hunger and thirst after the right things. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. So, so you have to hunger and thirst after the right things. Amen? Amen. So you can, you can live your life uh, as a human being and so forth, but you could fill, on, fill up on junk food if you wanted to. Probably wouldn't be healthy for you, would it? So you want to eat a balanced diet, a good diet, a balanced diet, the right fruits, vegetables, and so forth, proteins, and all that. Well, we have to hunger for the things of God. If we are, then we will be filled with the things of God. Now, many people, again, go to churches, might go to a Pentecostal, spirit-filled, charismatic, all kinds of names and stuff like that, and yet maybe not crack the Bible all week. Might claim it, can sing and shout, oh, this is wonderful, this is wonderful, but living the life is another deal. How do they live on Monday? How do they talk? How do they act? I just find all the time, I'm in the Word of God, just, it's a routine of mine, cup of coffee, the Bible, early in the morning, just, just reading, listening, writing notes, what He's saying to me, and I'm thinking, wow, it's always good, what the Holy Spirit, He's talking to us, He's changing us all the time. But if you don't do that, you won't be filled up. In other words, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to claim something. It's like it's like Samson knew all the time, you know, that he had his strength, you know, in his hair. But then when his hair got cut and they said, the Philistines are on you. And he, he, Samson, he got up and he went as he did before, not knowing his strength was even gone. 
Because he seemed normal. Everything was right. Didn't even know that his strength was gone. So you have to maintain a walk with Jesus Christ. We cannot claim an experience that happened some other time in our life. But how is how are we maintaining that relationship in our walk today? Amen? Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 4 a second. Acts chapter 4 just says that they prayed. The church was persecuted. Incidentally, persecution always has to deal with Jesus Christ. You're not persecuted because you did a poor job. You're not persecuted because some other relationship. You're persecuted because of Jesus. And they prayed and they believed God. And when they were assembled together, the place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Powerful. Hallelujah. Now, this is just following the day of Pentecost. Amen. I remember the day of Pentecost, 120. Then it went to 3,000. Then it went to 5,000. So the New Testament church, you have a lot of people now that are on fire, that are excited, that all these things for Jesus. Now we go from there and we press into the book of Acts chapter 5. The books of Acts chapter 5 talks about this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. And they had land. Now the church at that point was, was people were supporting what God was doing. And they actually were helping others. They were ministering to others. They were doing a lot of things like that. Really, really wonderful things. It's like when I've been to the food giveaway in Sioux Falls. Really good thing. You know, you minister to hundreds, if not thousands of people. That hundreds of cars, like 900 cars, let alone thousands from there. And giving food and helping people and blessing people. All that's good. My kids have volunteered at other food banks and stuff like that as well. So, so here they sold their, they kept back part of the proceeds. And his wife was aware of it. They brought, this, they brought it and they laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, you have to understand something. People talk about this, this sort of thing, you know, and a lot of people, it's kind of sad how harsh Christians can be because they want to talk about judgment and stuff like that. Let's, under, let's get something really clear. Ananias and Sapphira were part of the New Testament church. Ananias and Sapphira were spirit-filled people. Ananias and Sapphira looked like everybody else. And they come and they bring their gift to the apostles. They were all part of the group. They weren't outsiders. They weren't the sinners of the world and all this. Other. No, they weren't that at all. They're, they're part of the New Testament church. Let's get it real clear here. This is the context. They weren't weirdos. You know, they weren't people like that, that were just promoting their sin. No, not at all. Spirit-filled people. But something happened to Ananias and Sapphira. So you can claim a title. You could claim something. You could claim their church membership. But they got emptied out. So now they look, they're part, part of the New Testament church, they look the part, they talk the part, but they're not part of the part. So they bring back, they kept part of the proceeds back, which incidentally is not a problem. You always honor the Lord, you give cheerfully, right? You don't give out of compulsion, you don't give because you have to give. Whatever you want to give, you can give, but, but they kept part, they wanted to make a show like this is what we did. And they brought it, they laid it at the apostles' feet. Now it says this, go on in the next verses. And, and, and Peter says, he says, Peter says, why? Notice now what this says. Let's be clear of the context. Satan has filled your heart. Wow. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now they got the devil. 
This is sobering, folks. These are, this, is, this is the body of Christ of that time. So you got people that they're there in church, and yet the devil filled their heart. So people talk about this as that, like it's the world, he's going to judge the world. Whoa, 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 folks. Better, better start looking at yourself. Got to be real careful here. Why the devil? Why? Why? Did you allow the devil to fill your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of, the, part of the price of the land for yourself? Why? And notice what he says. When it was your own. It was your own. You sold it. It was in your control. Why have you conceived this thing and lied not to men but to God? Now, this is just a huge deal. Because, you see, people think God struck them down. No, I think the devil did. Because that's who they were following. That's what was in their heart. This is what we're going to do. See, when we think of the fear of God, I think of this. You reap what you sow. So what you plant, that's what you have to reverence the fact, boy, God's, God's word is true. You want to plant things that are good. You hunger and thirst after righteousness. So when you look at all those things, then it's like, wow. Remember Jesus said in John three seventeen, I didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus never came to condemn people. That's why sinners loved him, because why? He didn't condone their sin, but he brought forgiveness to them. So he said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved, right? Now, people say, well, then how, when is that judgment? Well, John chapter 12. Jesus said in John chapter 12, he says, if you hear my word and don't believe, I'm not going to judge him. I want you to see this. Jesus said, I'm not going to judge him. Because people are so quick. Jesus is going to judge him. God's going to judge him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, back up, back up. Went too far. Went too far. We're in the New Testament. See, that's the thing. When we're in the New Testament, folks, there's just a shot of grace. Like, oh my goodness, Lord, you're so good. He said, listen, what does he want? He wants to save people, right? If he goes to the cross and he dies for a person's sin, well, he's not going to now kill him. He wants to save him. Like John 17, Jesus said, I pray, don't take them out of the world. I don't want to kill them. Keep them in the world that there'll be lights for me. That's why we're here, right? To be lights for him. So he says, says, I don't judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This is the context. Now notice what he says. He rejects me, does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken will judge him. And when will he judge him? At the last day. That's why we're in a day of grace. That's why we're in this wonderful day where God is trying to reach people, save people, touch people. Will there be judgment? Oh, yes, there will be. Either when you die or the last day if you're alive, you're going to face judgment. But right now, with Jesus, is this amazing grace. It's like, oh, my Lord, thank you, goodness. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Oh, man. I, I just have to always look at how good he is. I know, what, I know what I deserve, and I know what I get. All right? Because none are righteous. You're still not, we know in Christ, yes, we're the righteousness of God, but we're not going to come to heaven because, all right, because I'm so good, now I get in. No, no, no. And somebody said, thank you for your grace. <laughs> thank you for your grace. 
So the one that's going to judge is the last day is the word. In fact, we've said before, someone, God doesn't send someone to hell. They choose to go to hell. That's their choice. By their life, by their lifestyle, by the things they do, that's their choice. Because no one's going to all of a sudden, when they die a nanosecond later, like, oh, you sent me here. No, you sent yourself there. By rejecting who? By rejecting Jesus Christ. Wow. Let's look at, let's look at Luke a second. So, it, again, this goes back to the context, even, of, of the book of Acts. And we're talking about spirit-filled behavior. But Jesus was going to go, he's going to Jerusalem, but he's going to go through Samarita, through this Samaritan village. And they didn't receive Jesus because he was going to Jerusalem. All right, they, he's a Jew. He's going there. Let's go to the next verses there, Second Jennifer. So then it says his disciples, James and John, saw this. Now, you've got to remember, James and John. Hey, this is John the Beloved. This is John who laid his head on Jesus' breast. This is John who wrote the, the love letter, 1 John. And this is John, how sweet. Sweet. But, incidentally, John didn't write this in his gospel. John didn't put this in his gospel. No, Luke recorded it in his gospel. John didn't put it in his. That's kind of, that's kind of the side blemish to John over here. The lovable disciple and so forth. But John is there, nevertheless, and said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? So now here there's this, this lovey-dovey John and, and his brother James, and they pick up this offense. It says, you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? Now, let's back up a second. First of all, they were followers of Jesus. Pretty close to Jesus, wouldn't you say? Inner circle to Jesus, wouldn't you say? Yes, they were. Yeah, they were very, very, very close. All right. Second of all, they quoted the Bible. Look what Elijah did. Let's do what Elijah did. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, let's see now. They're followers of Jesus. They're quoting the Bible. All right. They, they sound spiritual. They're notable ministers. They've been with Jesus now a while. And you think, there's other disciples, I'm sure, thinking... Boy, they got it right, and Jesus said, no. In fact, in fact, they weren't even in the ballpark. They were 100% wrong. Now, let me just say this. If you hear someone talking about judgment, that he's going to bring judgment on somebody, kill somebody, do something, you know right away it is wrong. I'm just telling you, I don't care who the person is. I don't care who the person Well, I'll give an example. We had a person visit our state, and of course we had uh, Quincy here from Rapid City and so forth. So Lance Walnow visits our state. This is public. Put it all out there in April. And he says on, on his whole public thing, and he's talking verbally, and he says, you know, there's people that have risen up, and they're, they're persecuting the rights of the ones that are supposed to be in office, that they think they're supposed to be in office. And he says, you know, this doesn't please God. And he said, now there's going to be some retribution. And his quote was that sudden deaths will come because the disciplinary hand of God. Sudden deaths are coming. Who's the sudden deaths coming to? Incidentally, this was supposed to come in the month of May. He laid it right out in the timeline. It's going to come to Democrats and some Republicans. Sudden death because of the disciplinary hand of God. And he comes to our state. Now, this is all public. But the issue is this. It's wrong. 
It's 100% wrong. Yeah, God's not going to say that. God's disciplinary hand, all right, I'm just going to sudden death. I'll kill that Democrat and I'll kill that Republican. They're standing in my way. Folks, folks, folks. Let's back up here. Take a deep breath. I got news for you. If you believe the Bible, and you should, and you believe the New Testament, which is the covenant we're living in, and you should, then you've got to recognize something ain't right here. In the body of Christ, there is such huge respect to persons that if someone says something, it's got to be right. It's like when the blood moons came out. Remember the blood moons, you know, and Jonathan Kahn and John Hagee and the blood moons and people say, the blood moons and there's judgment coming in. What do you think of the blood moons? Well, I think they made a lot of money selling books. Not a thing happened. And before before they even said, they're saying, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this and this and that. I said, forget it. People said, what do you think? I said, I think they're wrong. Someone actually said, you better be careful about saying that publicly. And I said, okay, I will say it publicly. I think they're wrong. Why? Because I know the New Testament. Not bringing a hammer down on people. Yeah, they made a lot. They made millions and millions of dollars. You don't even hear them talking about blood moons anymore. Oh, I guess it was wrong. Just a second. Let me sweep that under the rug. And we won't talk about it. And that is the problem with a lot of us. When you talk about spirit-filled behavior, people can say anything. This is on tape. I want you to listen to it. You can pass it around to anybody in the world. You have to be accountable. If you say something, if I say this, and it's going to happen here, and it doesn't happen, then it's called wrong. Well, let's back up a second. Let's just say this. Let's just bring it to home even. Someone say, someone, and this is easy to have. It doesn't make a person a bad person. Don't misunderstand me. It doesn't make them not a Christian. They're still a Christian. But someone can be here and someone, you're going to have a baby in the next year. That's happened many times in this church. People have said that. Minister, someone says that. Folks, I know people who've left our church because they didn't have a baby. Not the next year, not the next five years. And they left the church because God spoke that word and now they're embarrassed. Won't come back. Oh boy. You know, even, even there's a lot of prophecies that went before the elections and so forth. There was one guy who dared to stand up and, and uh, in Bethel's, Bethel's church, Chris Valentin, to say, I guess I was wrong. People didn't like that even in his church. That he said, well, I guess I missed it. They didn't like it even out there. Some of the staff members said, you can't say that. And he said, well, I'm going to say it because I was wrong. Well, you get a guy named Jeremiah Johnson who had tens of thousands of followers who prophesied many things, especially in the political realm. And he came out later and he said, you know, I'm sorry, I, I was inaccurate. I missed something. What he was doing is being humble. How many know humble, humility is good? How many know none of us are perfect? You should have your hand in the air. Yeah, yeah, none of us are perfect. We do things by faith. We do the best we can, but we make mistakes. And Jeremiah Johnson just said, you know, I'm just, I'm sorry, but, but it wasn't right. 
Now, get this. He's still got 21,000 followers. He's still got a great ministry. But his one ministry, his prophetic ministry, totally had to be shut down. You know why it was shut down? Because he had thousands of angry emails from Christians cussing him out. And he had numerous dozens of death threats. So now all of a sudden he had to security at his house, do all these things. And who are they from? They're from Christians who didn't like the fact that he humbled himself and said, I missed it. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, where are we going? (laughs) This is a good thing. When someone does stuff like that, boy, their esteem goes up in my eyes. Like, well, boy, that's somebody now I feel like I can trust because of their humility, because of where they're standing and so forth. And these things came from Christians. I say, oh, Lord Jesus. So Jesus says to him, he says, they said, do you want to command fire to come down? He, Jesus, notice what he said. He turned. He wasn't nice. He said, I love you, John. No, no, he rebuked him. He rebuked James and John. That's a very harsh word. Rebuked. Like, stop it. <laughs> notice what he says. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Notice, now that's a bad spirit. That's a bad spirit. Just because you can say, I'm a Christian, I'm spiritual. Hey, hey, hey. Devil's pretty smart. The devil is pretty smart. You've got to really stay in the word. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Now listen to what he said. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You can't get any clearer than that. We're living in this covenant. It's, it's amazing how people want to find, oh, but there's, let's, there's got to be an exception where he's going to kill somebody. <laughs> Can we find one? And, well, Ananias and Sapphira, and they were Christians, like, Ugh, the devil did that. That's not good. Amen. So when we look at spirit-filled behavior, yeah, even... You can find a lot of churches around the world and so forth where the minister prophesies, and lots of times he prophesies to put himself in a strong position. So if you don't follow him, well, you better watch out. Something's going to happen. People will say, if you leave this church, something will happen. Never say that. Why would you say that? (laughs) Jesus didn't say that. Thousands left him. He said, you want to look to the disciples? You want to go too? Doors open. You can go too. But people can prophesy and do things and so forth to hold like a a, a, a control over people. Yeah. Romans 5 says Jesus loves sinners. Aren't you glad about that? I'm so glad about that. Everybody we meet should feel loved. Everybody you or I meet should feel loved. Now, I don't care what their background is, but they should feel love. Let's go to Proverbs a second. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 comes in a very interesting place. And he says, because, because, you know, again, we're really good at saying, God hates this thing and hates this sin. And, but, but actually, you know, they look angry to sinners. I don't think sinners, I don't think the image we're presenting in the world is this. It's like that. It should be more like this. Open arms. God says six, six things I hate, and he didn't list the LBGT community. Come on. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. All right. 
Got to be in the right place here. He didn't list all those things. He didn't list all the things that people really get hot under the collar now. The hot buttons. Didn't list that. What does God hate? Well, he said the seventh is an abomination. So, God hates a proud look. A lying tongue. You know, we really stand in pride if it's like, I'm right. Ooh, probably not the place you want to be. Don't want to be there. Proud look, a lying tongue. People don't think about that. People aren't going to stand protesting. There's, there's a lying tongue or something. No, no, no. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. I think a lot of this, and I'm just going to say this, a lot of this could fit in the New Testament church. Paul had a lot of people stand against him. Paul had a lot of people that came against the gospel that he was bringing and preaching. Could fit. Feet that are uh, swift to running to evil. Notice verse 19. A false witness who speaks lies. Now the seventh one, the seventh one comes down to the the one he said it's abomination, which would be repulsive behavior, is a person who sows discord amongst the brethren. Now obviously they're in the brethren. They're in the brethren, okay? It's, someone in the world isn't sowing discord in us. They're, that's the world. You don't even listen to the world. But sowing discord means you get, you're right in the church and you're saying something that's not true. That's why it's so good. It's so good when you do hear people, notable people or whatever, that come back later to say, well, I missed it. Well, that's, that's okay. Who would, who would, that's wonderful. Because we should. Nobody perfect. Nobody says everything just right. New Testament is a book of grace. A lot of grace. A lot of grace. Turn to your neighbor and say, a lot of grace. You've got to receive grace. You've got to give grace. Every letter that Paul wrote began and ended with a grace message. Every letter. Look in your Bible. Every one started and ended with grace. Why? He knew where he came from. He knew what he was. He knew who Jesus made him. So these are things, these are things that comes out. These are things God hates. And it's so amazing that believers can bypass all of these. Of course, find something else to hate. And quite frankly, folks, maybe God doesn't hate. Understand, doesn't like the sin, but he doesn't hate people. That's where we have that fine line of spirit-filled behavior. There's things that are disgusting. True. But your heart has to be for the person. Now, right? So the six thing, the seven things and so forth, they're talking about God as God hates. Incidentally, what do sinners do? What do sinners do? Newsflash. Sinners sin. That's what they do. So a person that's lost, when I was lost and I was going to bars and different things like that, that's what you do. People could have looked at me and said, oh, it's terrible. You shouldn't do that. Oh, it's terrible. Well, that's what sinners do. Once you get saved, of course, you can begin to walk in the light as he is in the light and receive forgiveness and grace and so forth. But sinners are going to sin. So that's why, that's why we have to be out there so that they see something else that draws them into the light. Nice. Say nice. <laughs> 
Proverbs, let's go 12.22. Proverbs 12.22. So, discord. That's the most repulsive thing to God is sowing division in the body of Christ. Most repulsive thing. Very sad. Proverbs 12.22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Wow. Matthew says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. That's like checking the oil, right? Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Checking the oil in your car. Well, what are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? And that should be like, oh, 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 Better not say anymore. Right? Amen? Amen. James says that the tongue is so powerful, it can turn a, like a, a rudder turning a ship. A sung, tongue is so powerful, it can bless or curse. A tongue can give life or a tongue can bring death. That's why you think, that's why you would hate sowing discord amongst the brethren, right? Or Proverbs 16, verse 28, says, A whisperer separates friends. A whisperer. A whisperer separates friends. Now, a lie, lots of times people will lie because they lie to make themselves look good, right? I mean, Ananias and Sapphira, no, this is what we brought, this is what we brought. No, no, it is what you brought. You're lying. But it's common that people will lie so that it makes them look good. Incidentally, how we phrase things is very important because ministers lots of times can speak evangelistically. And uh, they talk about all oh, that's happening. It's like, well, you shake it all down and maybe this much is happening. I liked what Billy Graham said years ago. We helped, we were with his leadership in 1987, Billy Graham Crusade in Sioux Falls. So the top leadership in his organization that headed that up. Then they said they'll, they'll, they'll appraise a crusade based on five years later. What is the fruit five years later? How many people are actually going to church, saved, living for God? How many people? And then they said, you know, really by our estimates, it's 10%. And again, my esteem just went up because I thought, you know, I could say, oh, all these people, thousands of people are getting saved. And then they said, well, it's really 10%. What were they? They were honest, right? Rather than boasting and bragging and saying all this stuff, they were honest. You know, I mean, I mean I've got even things like Africa. People can say there's a hundred million been saved. I doubt it. Why do I doubt it? Because every, every, every nation almost is experiencing hellacious things of great atrocities. Not little things, atrocities. Huge, huge atrocities. Churches fight each other. Everybody against each other. So you can say one thing, but let's just look at the fruit. Isn't that right? Hello? I'll talk to you on the, on the TV here. There. We'll talk together. You can pass this on to somebody. You can share it with somebody else. It's all very important because why? We have, we have to understand we need spirit-filled behavior. Spirit-filled behavior in the body of Christ. We have to be accountable to each other and then accountable to God. We have to have that. We have to have We need that. For someone to say, to someone to say, well, you can't question that minister, then you're, then you're saying, well, they're, they're, they're uh, uh, infallible. But like the Pope, you can't question they're infallible. And we'd all say, not true. 
very sad. Again, just, just be accountability. It doesn't make a person not a Christian. I'm just saying accountability. How we, how we look at things. Don't believe everything you hear. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. Don't believe everything you hear, everything you see. No, you've got to be wiser than that. Listen, the last days, the devil's going to come with signs, wonders, all kinds of things. The last days. All right? So if these days get people bogged down and they're nibbling on every bit of the vein of, the, of Satan and so forth, what's it going to be like in the last days? Well, look at, the, look at those signs and look at this. And they were right and they prophesied this and they did this. And has to be right. No, it doesn't have to be right. What's right is biblical. So if it's in the word of God, safety. Hallelujah. Say safety. That's where you want to put your trust. And many, many, many spirit-filled, quote, Pentecostal, charismatic people are biblically illiterate. They know the talk, can do the dance, do the jig, do the clap, whatever, but also not understand. Now, folks, I'm just going to say this to you. I've got all kinds of friends, you can watch it right here, who would disagree with me. I've got all kinds of friends who say... He's bringing judgment and he's going to do this and that. Well, you know, I don't agree with you. They already know that. That's how they treat me. They kind of put me on the outside out here. Well, we, we know Dave doesn't believe this, so. I just have to say that, that how we live our life is important. You know, even, even in our own state, you know, you get people criticized and so forth like that. And the other day... I see John Thune at a track meet, and we stopped and talked and greeted him, so forth like that. This guy loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. He, he worships Jesus. He goes to church <laughs> all the time when he's in Sioux Falls. Loves Jesus. But I got friends treating him like the devil. <laughs> I'm thinking, are you people crazy? Spirit-filled people. Why, why do you act this way? You didn't even know the man. You don't even know the man, and he's dirt to you. Why? See, see what I'm talking about? Spirit-filled behavior is important. We can't just say what we want, do what we want, throw things out there what we want. That, quite frankly, is very offensive. Very offensive. How we live as believers... This is what's going to influence the world. This is how we're going to reach the world. Why are some of these movements growing? Because they have dark evangelists. That's what we call them, the dark evangelists. They're for their causes, you know. All the things that are dark, all the things that are evil. Where are the believers? Where's the evangelists of light? Where's the evangelists out there? Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. There's hope for you. I'm going to just say this. You can't be stuck in a prayer room thinking you're going to change this world. Not going to happen. The only way you change the world, like the disciples, is you get out there and they witness and so forth. And pretty soon they said, man, these have come here that turn the world upside down. That's how you're going to change the world. Pass this on to somebody. That's how we're going to change the world. By being out there, 
by being that salt and light, by having a smile on your face. Amen. Amen. There's so many people that Jeannie ministers to on a weekly basis that some would say no hope, but there's always hope, right? There's always hope. Reaching out, caring for people, people that would not be here normally, right? But, but there's a big audience out there. People are going to see this in a big audience. We have hundreds of people that tune into this. We've got a little group here, got hundreds that tune into this. I'm glad about that. Because we want to spread something good about Jesus. Amen? Let's just go to the last verse. Let's go to Ephesians 5 a second. Ephesians 5 just says, verse 28, 29, just says, Don't be drunk with wine, of course, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. That's, a, that's an ongoing daily thing. You can go to bed at night. Hallelujah! It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Get up the next morning. What's, what's going on? Where's the breakfast? What's going on? Not spirit-filled. Spirit-filled, not spirit-filled. And people do that in their life. Spirit-filled, not spirit-filled. Roller coaster. Be filled with the Spirit. How do we stay that way? Speak to yourself. Speak to one of the Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Knowing that, folks, what we sow, what we sow is important. What we plant, that's submitting the fear of God. What I plant is important. Fear of God. Trusting God. Living for God. Amen. That his word is true. I'm going to harvest what I plant. And we're going to grow fruit for the spirit-filled life. We're going to grow behavior. Let's go back to Galatians just one more time. Galatians 5. The, the fruit is, is love, joy, peace. We're going to grow that kind of fruit. This is behavior. So, when you leave here today, you might go someplace to eat or something, but your behavior is always on the witness stand. You're going to see somebody this week who might offend you. Your behavior is on the witness stand. So, I can choose to be offended or I can choose to swallow my pride and show the love of Jesus. See, sometimes people think if you show the love of Jesus, you're compromising. You're not compromising at all. You're showing the love of Jesus. So, the fruit, the behavior of the Spirit that we want are these things. And this is what should come out. And this is how we're going to reach more people in the world. Amen? By doing these things. So I want you to just close your eyes. And just lift your hands a minute. And Lord, we want to plug into you because we know that without you, this is totally impossible. <laughs> it's just impossible. Lord, I can't do it on my own. But with you, we can do it, Lord. With you, we can live a spirit-filled life. With you, we can grow good fruit. And Lord, this is the fruit we choose to embrace in our lives and to give it away in our homes, on our jobs, where we live, or who we meet, stores or whatever. We choose to give away this fruit, Lord, that we could impact our world where we live. I pray a blessing on every person here and who's listening right now, that, Lord, you would anoint them to impact their world. Anoint them, Jesus, as your vessel. Anoint them as your lighthouse. Anoint their tongue, Lord God, to speak blessing and not cursing. Anoint them, Lord God, to bring the good news. 
Anoint them, Lord God, even to bless all those around them, Lord. Thank you for anointing each one of us, Father, by your Spirit. We submit our tongues to you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Jesus name. Our tongues we submit as our bodies, part of our bodies. And we thank you, Lord, for your help that we would speak life. That we would speak what you want us to speak. Lord, we thank you. You're bringing revival in this nation. Hallelujah. Revival. <laughs> revival, Lord, that's going to be amazing. Lord, and I thank you for just drawing people even now by your spirit. Drawing them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Drawing them, Jesus. Thank you for conversions. Thank you, Lord, for people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptisms in water, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing awesome things. For your glory and honor. Lord, we praise you for this today. We thank you today for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. And you can share that. You can share it with somebody. Pass it on to somebody. Give it to somebody else. Say, hey, I want you to listen to this. That's all right to do that. Amen. So let's stand up together. Lord, I thank you for your face shining upon people. I thank you for your grace rising up upon people. And I thank you for blessing them this day in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Someone around you, amen. Bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605 605- 692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.